All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all the Shurim this month in memory of Yonat Tzvi, Ben Yosef Chaim Avazar HaKoin, Noam and Leah Efron for dedicating the Shurim and Joshua this month in celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Alevi. Our week of learning sponsors... Mr. Morton Esterson and Malkan Sammy Esterson, in memory of Mrs. Miriam Goldfein, Miriam Basmatisio Zichrona Livracha. Our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Shoshi and Zavi Daniel, and Roberta and David Schwartz, as a Mazel Tov to Rifki and David Flum on the birth of a baby boy. Mazel Tov to the Flums, and may they be Zochemer Sashem. And with that, let us begin. So today's daf is daf tes. We are picking up Emir Sashem on the bottom of Ches Amadez 8b, and we are picking up four lines up from the bottom. Tanya Idoch, another Braisa. So remember again, we've been speaking about the last topic we're talking about over here is Yovel. The idea being that the first of Tishrei is also the Rosh Hashanah for Yovlos. So says the Gemara Tanya Ida, we have another Braisa, Yovel He, the Pasik says it is Yovel, Yovel He, not Talmud Lomer. So we'll say, what does it mean, Yovel He? What, what exactly does that mean? So the Gemara says, listen to this. The Fisha Amar Vikidashtem, Vikidashtem the Pasik says, you shall sanctify the 50th year. So So listen to this. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Suppose I listen to this. If you remember in yesterday's daf, we ended off with the fascinating dynamic of Yovel, which is when does Yovel begin? When does Yovel begin? Rosh Hashanah. But when do some of the effects of Yovel go into place? Yom Kippur. So, Rosh, so in, in essence, the actual Yovel begins Rosh Hashanah, but again, as we saw before, Shiluach Havadim doesn't occur, right? The slaves going free or going home, I should say, doesn't occur until Yom Kippur. So you might have thought the same way that Yovel has like this, to we'll call it two-pronged start on the front end, maybe it has the two-pronged end on the back end. And maybe Yovel doesn't actually end until when? Yom Kippur of the 51st year. Just like there's an element of Yovel that doesn't quote-unquote begin until Yom Kippur of year 50, maybe in some way it continues until Yom Kippur of year 51. Talmud Lomar, therefore the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Talmud Lomar, Yovel hi, shnasa hamishim. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, I skipped the line. So, and don't say, come on, that's ridiculous. Yovel is a year. Of course it ends at Tishrei. Because I will say, there would be room to say this, because remember again, in general, we have the concept of Mosif and Mechal Ala Kodesh, which is, we always add on from the weekday to consecrated time. So you might have thought that the same way, that Yovel has this two-pronged start, one part on the first of Tishrei, the second part on the tenth of Tishrei, so too Yovel doesn't really end until Yom Kippur of the following year. Unless you think that's preposterous, we do have the concept of Mosif and Mechol ala Kodesh, that we add on from the weekday onto the sanctified, so we extend consecrated periods of time. Talmud Lomar, Yovel hi shnasach Therefore the Pasuk says it is Yovel, the fiftieth year. 
You consecrate year 50, you do not consecrate year 51. Good. So we'll say the Gemara goes right there. So what do the Rabbanon do with this drasha? I will say, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says of the Rabbanon, so we'll say the Rabbanon, remember again, who have a different Joshua on yesterday's daf. What do they do with this Pasuk? Here we go. What the Rabbanon do with this Joshua is as follows. They say the 50th year only counts as the 50th year. And what doesn't count as year 51? Now, what does that mean? La fuki mid Rabbi Yehuda. The Amar shnas chamishim ola lekan ulekan. Now, we'll say there is a fascinating sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds the Masechas Nedarim that actually the Yovel year actually counts in two ways. The Yovel year counts as year fifty of the last cycle and as year one of the new cycle. Look at Rashi. La fuki mid Rabbi Yehuda. First short line in Rashi. So it's a position of Rabbi Huda that ultimately year 50 counts as the end of the previous cycle and the and year number one of the new Shemitah cycle. So the Rabbanon disagree with this and therefore where do they learn out that Rabbi Huda is wrong? The Pasuk says, Yovel hi. Yovel, the Pasuk says it's Yovel, Yovel, the Yovel is only the 50th year and is not year 51, does not also count as year one of the next cycle, which is how we pass in Halacha Lamaisa. Kamash Malon, Kamash Malon, Dilo, Kamash that year 50 is just that, it's just year 50 and does not count as year one of the next cycle. So I will say, so here's what's interesting. So now we're going to jump back for just a moment because the Yubara made a drasha. And the Joshua was quite fascinating. The Joshua was, you might have thought that the same way that Yovel has this two-pronged start in the beginning, begins on, Rosh, on Tishrei, but act, is, is certain, oh, certain aspects of it are activated on Yom Kippur, that you might have thought that Yovel extends into Yom Kippur of the next year. Unless you think that's crazy, we do have the concept of Mosifin Mechal Al HaKodesh, that we add on from the weekday on to consecrated things. We'll say, this is, to, right, Tosef is Kodesh. We have this by everything. So the Gemara now says, we'll say, this is actually an incredible sugya. Udmosifu mechal ala Kodesh minalan. We'll say, from where do you know this concept that Mosifin mechal al Kodesh? How do I know that we add on from the weekday, right? We take away from the weekday, and we add it on onto the Kodesh. And I will say, this is going to take on a variety of different, uh, dif- different forms. This means that we'll start holy things earlier and we will extend holy things later. When I say holy things, probably better stated, holy times. Right? So how do we know this? I will say, this is a great sugya. This Anya, because we learned. The Pasuk says, literally, with plowing and with reaping, you shall abstain, you shall rest. So I'll say, what I just want to point out over here is as follows. The actual context of this Pasuk is Shabbos. The Pasuk is, Sheshes Yomim Tavod, Ubeyomashi Tishbos, Bacharish Ubakatsir Tishbos. Right? Six days you shall work, on the seventh day you shall rest. Bacharish Ubakatsir Tishbos. So what's interesting is, the Pasuk itself is a little bit repetitive, because the Torah says, 
Six days you should work, seventh seventh day you should rest, and you should not and you should rest from plowing and reaping. So we're going to see that the way that certain certain opinions darsh in this pasuk is whereas the first part is talking about Shabbos, the second part is talking about Shemitah. But you'll see that come out in just a moment. So the Gemara says, "Time is Anya, becharish of a katzratishbos, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Einot Sarech Lomar Charish Vikatir Shal Shvius." Sharik Varnamar, Sirbose Rabbi Akiva understands that the second part of this Pasuk is not talking about Shabbos, but rather talking about Shemitah. So Rabbi Akiva says, well, if that's the case, the Pasuk is a bit repetitive. Why? Because the Torah doesn't have to tell me that I'm not allowed to plow and I'm not allowed to reap on Shemitah, because I already know that. Sharik Varnamar, Sodcholo Sizra, the Karmacholo Sizmar. The Torah already says that you're not permitted to go ahead and work your field. So why do you have to add in Bacharish Ubakatar Tishbos? I'm supposed to get ready for this. And this is very halachalamaisa. Ella Kharish shall erev shvius haniknas lishvius. Rather, I'm supposed to say what it's coming to teach me is that there's certain plowing that you're not allowed to do prior to the Shemitah year. Erev Shemitah. Erev Shemitah, certain working of the earth that you're not allowed to do, of the land, prior to Shemitah, look at Rashi, it's almost right across the Rashi. Chorish al-Erev Shemitah, Shalom Yachrosh, Sada Ilan, Erev Shemitah, Chorish Shayol al-Shemitah. So most of this happens in interesting sugya in, in, in Hilcho Shemitah, there are certain things already you're not allowed to do from Elul, already from Elul, prior to Shemitah, because they're considered to be like preparing the land during the sabbatical, during the Shemitah year. So Rabbi Akiva understands this idea of Becharish Ubakatzer Tishbo. So just to give you the structure over here. The first part of the Pasuk is talking about Shabbos. Rabbi Akiva understands the second part of the Pasuk, Becharish Ubakatzer Tishbos, is talking about Shemitah. The problem is so much Shemitah, the Pasuk itself is repetitive because I don't need the Torah to tell me that I can't do plowing and I can't do reaping because at the end of the day, the Torah already tells me that elsewhere, that I can't work the land. So what is Bacharish Ubakatsar Tishbos coming to teach me? Oh, it's coming to teach me there are certain forms of harisha, of plowing, of working the land that I can't do when, not on Shemitah, not on Shemitah, but when? Erev Shemitah. Erev Shemitah. Because here, shall shviyas hayot to the mosei shviyas, and it's also coming to you, and it tells you I can't reap. What is that referring to? So I will say, listen to Rashi. Look at Rashi. Because here, shall shviyas kigon tvoa sheheviyah shlish b'shviyas atanoig ba minog shviyas b'shminis. Both say, and when it says that you're not allowed to reap, that's referring to produce that grew during shmita, but in fact is not being harvested until after shmita. See, Rabbi says an interesting halacha, which is that produce that attained one-third growth during the Shemitah year has Shemitah sanctity, even if what? Even if what? Even if it was harvested after the Shemitah year. I will say this is why, you know, you see this a lot with wines as well, right? This is why, again, you could have Shemitah wines for a number of years after Shemitah, right? Depending on when the grapes reached maturity. It's not just, it's not just wine. It's a lot of other products as well. So I will say, so Akiva understands. So watch what just happened here. Current Rabbi Akiva, Bacharish Ubakatzer Tishbos teaches me, Bacharish teaches me certain things, certain working of the, certain working of the land is Aser, Erev Shemitah, and certain produce which attained a requisite level of maturity during the Shemitah year, will be Aser after Shemitah. When we say Aser, we don't literally mean Aser. But what does Aser mean? What does Aser mean? It has Shemitah sanctity. So in other words, you could have produce 
that is harvested in year number eight, right? Post Shemitah, which still has Shemitah sanctity. In other words, we will say, what's the takeaway message of, of the Pasuk? That the Kiddusha of Shemitah could extend before Shemitah and after Shemitah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel says, Shabbos says, just want to point out, remember, what's the Gemara's Kasha? What's the Gemara's Kasha? From where do we know the concept of Mosif and Mechal Allah Kodesh? Which means, how do we know that we extend consecrated times, i.e. start them earlier, end them later? Or Rabbi Akiva will say, learn from Shemitah, the fact that the sanctity of Shemitah could be extended into year number seven and year number, I'm sorry, year number six and year number eight, Erev Shemitah and post Shemitah, shows that Mosif and Mechal Allah Kodesh. By the way, the Gemara says, there's another opinion. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, no, 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 that's not what the Pasuk teaches me. Bacharish of Tishmos teaches me as follows. Macharish Rishos, Avkatsi Rishos. Just as Kharish, plowing, is a Rishos, a non-mitzvah act, so too Katsira is a Rishos. Yotza, what does this come to exclude? Yotza, Katsir HaOmer Shu Mitzvah. This comes to exclude ultimately the harvesting of the Omer, which is a mitzvah. But I take a look at Rashi, Yotze Ketzira Omer Shu Mitzvah, Shafilu Matzah Katzir Mitzvah Liktzar, Vyesh Lechalilmon Mikansha Dochas HaShabbos. So also Rishmol says, the Pasuk is teaching something very different. Becharish Shuvah Katzir teaches me that there is an obligation to abstain from Malacha on Shabbos. Unless of course what? Unless of course what? The malacha is a mitzvah. If the malacha is a mitzvah, it could be done on Shabbos. What's an example of plowing or harvesting that's a mitzvah on Shabbos? Ketzirah Omer. If you have to go ahead and harvest the barley for the Omer offering, Rabbi Shmuel says that could even be done on Shabbos. Well, it's an interesting halacha by the Omer is that it has to come from barley that you harvest that day or that night, the harvest, right? That night, that night. In other words, even if you had barley that was pre-cut, you can't use it. It has to actually be harvested. So what the Rabbi Shmuel is saying is, the Pasuk is coming to teach me, it's only Kharish and Katsir that is chul, that is chol, right? That is not a mitzvah, that is a rishos. But if you have an act of Katsira that is a mitzvah, like the harvesting of the barley, that can be done even on Shabbos. Shabbosai. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva learns out the concept of Mosifin Mechal Ala Kodesh from the phrase Bacharish Ubakatzer Tishbos, which teaches me that we extend Shemitah. We bring Shemitah in early and Shemitah goes late. Good. Rabbi Shmuel Mosifin Mechal Ala Kodesh Minalan. Where does Rabbi Shmuel know this concept of Mosifin Mechal Ala Kodesh? That Rabbi say we extend consecrated times to start them earlier and to end them later. Here we go. Nafkalei Midisanya. Rabbi say learns that from the following drasha. The Pasuk says, You shall afflict your nefesh on the ninth. Now, I will say, What's the problem with the Pasuk? What's the problem with the Pasuk? Affliction, Bepashtos, means what? Fasting. Yom Kippur is the tenth. Right? So, what's going on over here? Yachal Betisha. You might have thought that the Torah is telling me you always have to fast on the ninth. Tamalomar Ba'erev. Therefore, the Pasuk says, At night. Not, no, not on the ninth, but rather again, you fast that night, the tenth. So since it says Ba'erev, you might have thought that Yom Kippur does not begin until it gets dark, until Tzais. Talmud Lomar, B'Tisha. Therefore, the Pasuk says you should fast on the ninth of Tishrei. So I will say, how does this stem? How does this all come together? Here we go. HaKezad, Maschil U'mis'anem Ba'od Yom. But say, the Alokha Yom Kippur is, we bring in the fast, while it is still day.
while it's still daytime. And what do we learn from here? From here we learn that we add on from the Chol onto the Kodesh. Onto the Kodesh. So I will say, this is Rabbi Shmuel's Makar, and this generally is the, is the accepted Makar for the concept of Mosifin Mechal Ala Kodesh, that whenever we have a consecrated time, we extend. We bring it in early, and we extend it past the normal calendrical end date. Right, Yom Kippur, we bring in Yom Kippur early. See, I will say, everyone knows about bringing Yom Kippur early, but interestingly enough, there's a concept of Tosefes Yom Kippur as well. Extending Yom Kippur, you know, I will say, the Bach brings down. He says, why don't we fast two days of Yom Kippur, Sveka de Yoma, just like we keep every other Yom Div two days, right? It's what we do in Gauls, isn't it? It's a strange thing, no? Yom Kippur, which is the, the, the most important day of the entire year, so one day we don't do sacred yom. So the Bach says it's exertion at Sibir Yachalama, but you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't, you can't make it. Although the Bach does say there were Yechide Skula throughout the ages who did keep two days of Yom Kippur. Fasted two, two straight days just to keep the sacred yom. Interesting idea. In any event, the point where it says the Gimar, there's a concept by Yom Kippur of ultimately bringing it in early and extending it. The truth is, we end up bringing it in early. We all do, because the truth is, we're beginning Yom Kippur no later than Hadlakas Neros, than candle lighting, and Kol Midrash generally earlier as well. So you're bringing the fast early. We're generally extending it also. Why? Why? Because the truth is, you have Mairev, right? You have Mairev afterwards. So by definition, we don't have Mairev until the fast is over. By the time you get home, Kiddush Levana, already it's much later. And anyway, so therefore, about Sekhar Rabbi Shmuel, this becomes the Makar for Mosif and Mechal HaKodesh. I just want to point out something very interesting. Everyone is agreeing to the principle of Mosif and Mechal HaKodesh. The Machlokes is the Makar. Rabbi Akiva, Shmita, Rabbi Shmuel, Yom Kippur. There's so much to say just on where each of them are bringing in this Makar because it's fascinating. Two dramatically different days that are, or two dramatically different, it's not, you know, Shmita is not a day, but two dramatically different, we'll call it constructs, from which you learn Mosif and Mechal HaKodesh. If we have a little bit of time, we'll go back to it. So the Gemara says, So the truth is, remember, the drasha of Batisha and Ba'erev only teaches me that I bring in Yom Kippur early. How do I know that I extend it? The Pasuk says, from evening until evening. So just like the initial evening of Yom Kippur, I extend by bringing it in early. So too, again, the Matzah Yom Kippur evening, I extend by ending Yom Kippur a little bit later. Amy Eli Yom Kippurin. I only know Yom Kippur. Shabbosos, meaning I know about it, is a general concept of Tosefes Shabbos, of bringing in Shabbos early and ending Shabbos later. Talmud Lomar, Tishbisu. The Pasuk says, Tishbisu, right? So I say, so again, the extra Tishbisu teaches me to Shabbos, any day that is a Shabbos, right? Any day that is, right? So Shabbos, well, Tishbisu means Shabbos. So therefore, it teaches me that Allah says the concept of Tosefes on Shabbos as well. Yomim Tovim how do I know about Yom Tov? And I both say, by the way, I just want to point out, this Tishbisu is so important and it's so good that we're learning this now. Because we're both saying, this is how we have to be careful, you know, about becoming a Shomer Erev Shabbos as well. And what it means to be Mosif on Shabbos. I'll say especially we're going to switch the clocks in just a little bit. A person has to be Roa as Hanolod. You can't be running into the 18 minutes. The 18 minutes are there. It's break in case of emergency. <laughs> but if you're utilizing it every single week, there's something wrong with the way you're structuring your Erev Shabbos. 
Tosefa Shabbos is not a nice thing. Tosefa Shabbos is a mitzvah. You see clearly Chazal are saying it and how careful we have to be, okay? We don't have to be a Chatzos lady. But, but, but Lamaisa, at least to go ahead and be ready at the time of Hadlakas Neros, be ready, because remember, you have a built-in Tosefa Shabbos with the 18 minutes right there to be able to be Makabal Shabbos at the time I'm supposed to. It's not just good. It's not just good for my Shabbos in general, but it's the midst of Tosefa Shabbos. Yomim Tov, I don't know about Yom Tif, I don't know about Yom Tif, Tamalomar, Shabbos Chem. So ultimately, again, the Pasuk says, you're Shabbos. So there's all these extra words. Tish is Shabbos. Shabbos Chem is Yom Tiv. HaKetzad, Komakom Shiyish Bo Shvos, Mosifin Mechal HaKodesh. Shabbos, at the end of the day, Rabbi Shalom's Rosh is, anytime you find Shavos, in other words, anytime that there is a mitzvah to abstain from Malacha, there is a mitzvah of Tosefas. That's the idea. Anytime that Allah said there is a there is a shavus, there is a mitzvah of Tosafas. But Rabbi Akiva, Shavos say, so now we've got and this is really very exciting. And we'll say it's Kedai. This is the kind of sugya you want to chazer over because it's so you saw this thing. Everyone's agreeing on the principle. Mosif Michal Kodesh. Where do you learn it out from? Rabbi Akiva, Shmita, Rabbi Shmuel, Yom Kippur. Interestingly enough, the, the drasha of Rabbi, of Rabbi Shalom Yom Kippur is a much more comprehensive drasha because remember, it includes Yom Kippur, but also, as we see, includes Shabbos and Yom Tiv as well. What does Rabbi Akiva do with this drasha? Right, so Rabbi Akiva who darshan Shemitah, what does he do ultimately with the drasha of Yom Kippur? My avidle, mi boile lichiditani, lichiditani chia barav mi difti. The tani chia barav mi difti, here we go. Vi inisimes naf shosechem betisha. The Pasik says, you shall afflict your nefesh on the ninth, on the ninth of Tishrei, and sin kasha. Vichi betisha misanin. Do we fast on the ninth? Vahalo basiri misanin. We only fast on the tenth. So we'll say, what does Rabbi Akiva do with this? Here we go. Or I should say, chia barav mi difti. Elomer lacha. Kala ochal vishose betishi. If you eat and drink on the ninth, ma'ala alav hakasuv, the Torah counts it as if what? Ki'ilo his ana tishi'i va'asiri. Kashbarach who counts it as if what? You fasted on the ninth and the tenth. That's Rabbi Akiva's drasha. So I will say, so in, in, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, this, this, this in general is a fascinating drasha about why it is that if you eat on the ninth, Ultimately, it's as if you fast the ninth and the tenth, which Gemara is essentially saying that there is a mitzvah to eat on the ninth. And the mitzvah to eat on the ninth is not simply a utilitarian mitzvah to get you prepared for the tainus, to get you prepared for the fast, but there is inherent in the ninth a mitzvah to go ahead and eat. We'll say on the most basic level, why is there a mitzvah to eat on the ninth? What's, what's the pshat, right? Why is there a mitzvah to eat? Because we're both saying Yom Kippur is this great anomaly because Yom Kippur is a yamtiv. It's a Yom Devarayo. We say Shekhyonu. The problem, of course, becomes where this Yom Dev identity is. It's missing the one thing that usually makes a Yom Dev a Yom Dev for us, which is food. Right? So therefore, again, you see this drush, you see this emphasis on eating and feasting and physically enjoying the ninth to put ourselves in the right mindset. In other words, it's not just eating because you have to eat before a fast, be ready for the fast. It's eating and enjoying and mamish an atmosphere of simcha. And, if, and that's the pshat. See, I always wondered, what does it mean if you eat on the ninth? It's as if you fasted on the ninth and the tenth. What does that mean? What, 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 what does that mean? Elamai, what is it saying? If you eat on the ninth, and the reason you're eating is why? Is why? Is why? Because you feel the simcha of Yom Kippur. 
Because you feel the simcha of slicha o mechila. Because you know you're getting a clean slate. You know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is forgiving you. You know you're going to get another chance. You know you're going to get the brachas you're asking for. You know you're going to get another year. Zachreinu l'chayim melech If you know that and you believe that and you've made a plan to make this the year, that's a simcha. That's a simcha. If you have that mindset on the ninth and you're eating and you're feasting on the ninth with that ashkafa, then ultimately it's as if you fast on the ninth and the tenth. Because they're both saying the entire essence of Yom Kippur is a simcha. Ein yamim tovim liyisrael. The Mishnah Taina says, like Yom Kippur, like Yom Kippur. But sometimes on the day itself, it's a little bit difficult to feel that simcha because you're fasting. But when can you feel the true simcha? On the ninth, if you're feasting. So those who feast on the ninth with the proper hashkaf of the simcha of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu counts it as if you went ahead and you fasted on the ninth and the tenth. We'll have to chazer over this before Yom Kippur in Hashem, because it's such a profound yisod. It's such a profound yisod in terms of what it means to eat on the ninth and how we're supposed to enter into Yom Kippur. But I just mentioned before because that, that, that concludes that sugya. Everyone's agreeing. It struck me the lashon of Mosifin Mechal Ala Kodesh. It's just a fascinating lashon because the truth is, if I were if I were writing it, I wouldn't write it like that. How would you write it? How would you write it? Mosifin Mikodesh Ala Chol. Right, that, that seems to be, Mosifin Michal ala Kodesh means we add on from the weekday onto the Kodesh. I don't know, you, you would think, and it appears other ways also in Shas, you, you would think it's Mosifin Mikodesh ala Chol. We want to add on from the Kodesh onto the Chol. And perhaps Chazal are teaching us something incredibly important. You see, if the Lashon would have been Mosifin Mikodesh ala Chol, you take the Kodesh and add on to the Chol, you might have thought, what's the goal in life? The goal in life is to get rid of chol, right? The goal in life is to minimize chol as much as possible and go ahead and there are things that are kodesh, there are things that are chol. Extend the kodesh as much as possible to go ahead and remove the chol. But that's not actually our mission in life. Our mission in life is mosifin mechol ala kodesh. The goal in life is to take that which is chol or that which looks chol that which looks mundane, that which looks ordinary, and infuse Kedusha into it. You see, there's nothing in this world that can't be made Kadosh. There's nothing in this world that can't be uplifted. Some things are more obvious, some things are more apparent, and some things require a bit more of an understanding. But the Yisod in life is not Mosif in the Kodesh Chol. There's Kedusha, this Chol. The goal is minimize your Chol, maximize your Kodesh. No, that's not the Avodah of the Jew. The avod of the Jews mosif in mechol ala kodesh. Look at the things in life that appear mundane. Look at the things in life that are mundane and figure out how to infuse kedusha, how to add kedusha to them. That is the ultimate mandate and mission of the Jew. What the Ramban calls kedusha chomer, sanctification of the mundane, sanctification of the material, and that's perhaps. Why Chazal Davka used this lashon, which seems a bit more convoluted, Mosifin Michal Ala Kodesh is not just a halacha, but a mandate in life to take that which is chol and to find a way to make it kodesh. So we'll say the Gemara goes later. Tan Rabbanon, we'll say fascinating sugya. Tan Rabbanon, Yovel he, 
Yovel he. Afapishoshamdas. We'll say now it's going to get into interesting sugya. Yovel now we've begun, we, 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 we've, we've, begin to, we've begun to see has a number of different components to it. Right? There's, first of all, Yovel is a regular Shemitah year. Right? It has a Shemitah component to it. So you can't work the land. Right? Number two, there's Shiluach Havadim, emancipation of slaves. And number two, there's returning of land to its original owners. What we're now going to discuss, interestingly enough, is are all of these pieces necessary in order for the Yovel identity to be activated? So watch this. Turn around and Yovel. It's Yovel. It's Yovel. What does it teach me? Even if you did not go ahead and observe the Shemitah aspect, even if he didn't sound the shofar, you might have thought, even if you did not emancipate the slaves, Talmud Lomar, he. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Yovel, he. So we'll say, the understanding, Yovel, he means, you could be missing certain parts of the Yovel, and it's still Yovel, but there are certain things which are an absolute necessity in order to activate the Yovel identity. And if you don't do these things, then the Yovel, the actually Yovel identity of the year is not activated. So Rabbi Yehuda says, Shiloh Avadim. If you don't emancipate slaves on Yovel, the Yovel identity of the year is not activated. Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here. Rashi says, Tamalomarhi, Imasisa Dvarim Halalu hi Yovel, Vimlav Ino Yovel. So we'll say this Rabbi Hud is saying something absolutely incredible. Rabbi Hud is saying that Halochala Maisa, if you did not do the things of Yovel, in other words, you didn't observe the Shemitah, you didn't go out and blow the shofar, you didn't return lands, right? It's still Yovel. But if no one emancipated their slaves, it's not Yovel. It's not Yovel. Yovel, he means, Yovel needs this piece in order to be activated. Rabbi Yossi, that's, that's Rabbi Yehuda's position. Rashi, if you go back to the previous Rashi, Rashi says over the middle of that Rashi, Afilu lo nasu bodram halalu, havara shofar, lo shove lachuza, tenushmitas karkao, shekanu zemizet, chsib basra ikra, afa pikin shim yovel alav lios, aser bizria, so even if you did not blow the shofar, even if you did not return land, it's still Yovel as long as you emancipated slaves. But I will say, honestly, Rabbi Huda is saying, Rabbi Huda is saying, if for argument's sake, no one emancipated their slaves on Yovel, the Yovel identity of the year is not activated. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Yovel hi, afa pi shamtu, Rabbi Yossi says, because I will say, what the dashing over here is, the, the phrase is Yovel, it is Yovel. They're understanding that he means that in order for Yovel to occur, something has to happen. The Machlokes is, what is that something? I don't need everything, but I need something. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the he, the something is Shiluach Avadim. What's the he? Shofar. Shofar. If you didn't blow the shofar to usher in the Yovel year, it's not Yovel. It's not Yovel. So here's what I know. Once I know that at the end of the day, right, I have a particular Pasuk that ultimately is Marbe and a particular Pasuk that's Mamit, which means what? The Psukim are telling me all of the things that happened during the Yovel year, right? So what are all the things that happened during the Yovel year? Number one, Shofar. Number two, we're going to call it Shemitah. But Shemitah refers to the fact that the land lay fallow, but it also refers to the fact that land reverts back to its original owner. 
And number three, Shiluach Havadim, returning a right emancipation of slaves. Those are the three things that happen during the Yovel year. So at the end of the day, the Torah is marba all three of those, thing, those things. Then it says Yovel He. And Yovel He teaches me that I don't need all three of those things to activate the Yovel identity. Rather, even if what? I have one of those things, the Yovel year is activated. So the Chimi Acha, Shem Marbe, Echa, Shem, Shem Mikra Echa, Marbe, Omikra Echa, Man It, Mipne Ma'ani Omer Yovel He, Afa Pishelo Shalhu, Vein Yovel Ela Imkain, Taku. So we'll say, so now they're asking Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, why Tkia Shofar? Why Shofar, right? Rabbi Yossi says, even if he didn't emancipate the slaves, and even if he didn't return to ancestral land, as long as he blew the Shofar, Yovel, he, that's all you need to identify or to activate the Yovel year. Why? Why? Why Shofar? Why Shofar? So we'll say, look at Rabbi Yossi says, this is so profound. He says, Lefi, li olam because literally it's possible for the world to exist without emancipation of slaves. But the world cannot exist without Tkiah Shofar. Now, Bosi, now what does that mean? On a very simple level, right across in Rashi. Bosi, is it possible to have a time where there's not one Jewish slave? Is that possible? Sure. Possible. So the words. You could set up a Metzius where there is no Shiloh Havadim in the world. On the flip side, Rashi says, Afshar, shofar ba'olam. In other words, there may not be a Jewish slave, but there'll always be what? There'll always be what? There'll always be a shofar. So Shabiosi says, Yovel, he comes to teach me that there's an aspect of Yovel that will always be in existence. And the aspect of Yovel that will always be in existence is the aspect of Yovel, which is Ma'akev, which is an indispensable necessity. So when you look at everything, what's the one aspect of Yovel that is an indispensable, that, is, that, that, that will always be a reality? Well, look, think about it for just a moment. Do you always have to, is there always Shiloh Havadim? Are slaves always emancipated? No, if there's what? If there's what? No Jewish slaves. What about return of ancestral land? If everybody already owns the original land, there's no... So we'll say, see, the other aspects of Yovel, it's, po- it's po- not probable, but it's possible to have a Yovel where these other pieces are not necessary. So what's the one piece that always exists? Shofar. Shofar. Shofar, in other words, you can't say it's not going to be a shofar in the world. It's always going to be a shofar. Always going to be a shofar. Impossible, right? Always going to be a shofar in the world. Therefore, Abiyosi says... The part of Yovel that is a fixed reality, that's the part of Yovel that is Ma'akev, the blowing of the shofar. I will say, by the way, if you just take a look at that, if you take a look at that phrase, it's such a profound phrase, right? Afshali olam bilo shiluach avadim. I will say, what does that mean? It's possible in the world, on a deeper level, right? It's possible in the world, ultimately, to always remain a slave. Below shiluach avadim. I will say, we're all slaves to something. And the truth is, I'd venture to say, most people remain in servitude for their entire life. There's that thing I'm enslaved to, or things I'm enslaved to, I and mean, even though I can emancipate myself, more often than not, I don't. It's possible for a person to always remain enslaved and never leave. But what can't you live without? What can't? But on a deeper level, what does Tikiyah Shofar represent? We know by them, what does Tikiyah Shofar represent? It's Malchus. 
It's Kabbalah's Ol Machus Shamayim. Right? You talk about Shofar Gadol, the acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as my Melech. You could go through life highly flawed and imperfect. You could go through life as an Ebed. It's possible. It's possible. You could even live kind of productively, even though I'm enslaved to something. What can't I go through life without? I can't go through life, can't go through life without Kiya Shofar. I need Malchus. I need Kabbalah's Omachus Shamayim. I could go through life as an Eved, but I can't go through life without the Rebono Shal Olam, without the Kiyashov. For such an incredible Yisod. Dover Acher, another possibility, says Rabbi Yossi, Zu Masur Lebezin, Zu Eno Masur Lebezin. There's another reason why Tkiyashofer is the most important thing for, for Yovel, and that's Shiluach Avadin. For one simple thing, Rabbi Yossi, who is Shiluach Avadin dependent on? Who is it dependent on? People. Right? If I have an evidivery, it's up to me to emancipate my slave. Who's in charge of Tkiya Shofar? Bezdin. So Abiyosi will say it makes more sense for the Yovel identity to be activated by something controlled by Bezdin and not by something controlled by individuals. You don't have control of what individual people do. So the Mars in my Dvarachar, Vichy Tema, EF Shardaleka, Khadbasofa, Olum Dolomishaleach, because maybe you won't like Rabiosi's first agreement, he'll say, no, 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 there's always gonna be an evidivery. There's always going to be an avid ivri. Zu misur lebeizin, vizu ena misur lebeizin. We still like to cash for better, Rabbi Yossi says, because at the end of the day, it makes sense that Yovel identity is unlocked by something controlled by Bezdin and not something controlled by individuals. So therefore, we'll say, this is the position of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi holds that Allah, Yovel, he teaches me, all you need to activate the Yovel year, the identity of the Yovel year, is to cash over. Why? Two-pronged argument, because shofar is the only thing that always exists. And number two, shofar is in the control in the domain of Bezdin. Next. So what about Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Huda's position is what? Rabbi Huda's position is Shiluach Havadim. That the identity of Yovel is activated by emancipation of slaves. And if you don't emancipate slaves, it's not Yovel, which I will say is a pretty wild idea, right? That the identity of the year is dependent on our actions. And if we make a pact, all of us make an Avera pact, none of us are releasing our Avadim Ivrim, it's not Yovel. It's not Yovel. So where does he get this from? So my time, Amikra, Ukrasem Dror Ba'aretz. The Buzzik says, you shall proclaim Dror, which again, we'll assume right now means freedom in the land. The Kasavar, and he says, Mikra Nidrash Lefanov, Velolifnefanov. And he holds, right, Rabbi Huda holds, they both say, whenever you have a Pasik, a Pasik can be darshined to include that which immediately precedes it, but not a topic which appears two psukim earlier. Look at Rashi just a moment. Mikra Nidrash Lefanov, Miuta Dehi Akrias Duror Kroi. The Salik Minei, the low at the Kia Shofar Aksulevanus. We'll say, so just to understand the flow of things. The Doris first speaks about Kia Shofar, then speaks about emancipation of slaves, and then says, Yovel He. Rabbi Huda's model is as follows Yovel He is a modifier on that which immediately preceded it. What immediately precedes the phrase Yovel He? And I must remember again, the phrase Yovel He tells me, this is what you need in order for Yovel to be Yovel. So what immediately precedes that phrase Yovel? What immediately precedes it? Ukrasem drar ba'aretz, emancipation. And Rabbi Huda's exegetical model is that you could darshan that which immediately precedes Yovel he, but not something that is two psukim earlier. So you have tkiya shofar, emancipation, Yovel he. 
Yovel, he goes back and modifies that which immediately came before, the emancipation of slaves. So just by the way, how do you know that Dror means freedom? The Gemara said, means you emancipate slaves. How do you know that that's what it means? The Sanya in Dror Elaloshan Cheris. Dror means freedom. Am Rabbi Huda, Ma Loshan Dror. This is very interesting. Kimidayer Be Daira, like someone who goes ahead and lives. Be Daira Rashi says, Mishu Bershuso, Lagar Bechamalon Shiyirza. So both say, you live wherever you want. You live wherever you want. And ultimately, and you can take your merchandise and sell it wherever you want. So I'll say, this is very interesting, right? The definition of freedom is the ability to live wherever you want and work wherever you want. So I'll say, I, why, why isn't the definition of freedom accomplished just by saying you can live wherever you want? Isn't that the greatest manifestation of freedom? Because I'll say, living wherever you want without being productive is not, being, is not freedom, right? Freedom is the ability to be productive, right? To sit around and do what I want. That's very nice. That's the absence of servitude. Freedom means the ability, yeah, to live wherever you want and to do business. Do business, of course, means to be productive, right? So if you can be productive, so ultimately, again, you can live wherever you want, do business wherever you want. That's the definition of freedom. Here we go. So therefore, I will say, now we have two shitas. What do you need? Yovel, he, what's an indispensable component of Yovel? Rabbi Yehuda, Shiluach Avadim, Ukrasim Baaretz, Mikra Nidrash Lefanov, Yovel, he, Krasim Baaretz, Rabbi Yossi, Shofar, because it's in the hands of Beisdin, and that's an in, that'll always be in existence. Another sheet. Here we go. Wow. Chachamim say, in order for Yovel to be Yovel, you need all three components. Shmita, Shiloach Avodim, Shofar. Kasavri, Kazrabanan hold, Mikra Nidrash Lefanov, Velifnefanov, Ula Acharov. This is great. They hold, Yovel, he goes on that which comes before it, that which comes Two psukim before it. So remember again, before it is, before it is krasim drosh, two things before it is shofar, and after it is shmita, returning of ancestral lands. Vaksiv yovel. I, but it says yovel. What do you do with that extra phrase? Hahu da'afila b'chutz la'aretz. The boss says it's pretty wild. That tells you that yovel applies in chutz la'aretz as well. Really? Vaksiv ba'aretz. I, but the Pasik says, when Yovel applies in Eretz Yisrael, it applies in Chutz La'aretz as well. But when Yovel does not apply in Eretz Yisrael, it does not apply in Chutz La'aretz. So I will say, by the way, which component of Yovel applies in Chutz La'aretz is only Shiluach Avadim. That if you own an Eved Ivri, in Chutz La'aretz, when there is halachic yovel in Eretz Yisrael, you will free your Eved Ivri in Chutz La'aretz as well. But again, that assumes that yovel is in effect in Eretz Yisrael. So we'll say, so that is our three-way machlokas between Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi, and the Chachamim. Yovel he, what is necessary in order to activate the yovel component of the day? Rabbi Huda, Shiluach Avadim, Rabbi Yossi, Tkiyah Shofar, Chachamim, all three. 
But also, I'll stop over here for today. I'll, well, tomorrow, I'll start with the Rambam about how we paskin, and then Amir Tashem will continue in the journey in the Gemara. Shkai Chabosai.